Hey, hey, today we discuss teaching our kids that you can't whine at your boss, how to handle devices at sleepovers, and our socially awkward dog makes an introduction. Podcast. I'm hey, David. I'm Rachel. How you doing tonight? I'm good. That was a long M on your intro. Yeah. Working good. it out. Yeah. Working it out. So we celebrated one of our son's birthdays today. We did. It's not actually his birthday, but we celebrated a little early. And how did you celebrate with him? In the emergency room. Yay! So here's a funny story. The um I wasn't supposed to overhear the two doctors outside of the exam room door. Um, right before they came in, they said, be careful. The mom is squeamish. <laughs> About you? About me. Are you squeamish? Oh, man, I'm squeamish. Really? I, I mean, so when they tried to like clean it out, I couldn't watch. And one of the doctors like looked over at me and I noticed and I just looked away. I wanted to leave. If it weren't my son, I would have left. So it was a scar on the head. How did it happen? Yeah, it's a gash in the head. And it's hard to say. Everyone was asking, even at the doctor's office. He said he fell or tripped on the stairs? He tripped on the stairs, but he said he was going down the stairs. Or no, he was going up the stairs. But the, the wound, the flesh wound, if you will, is like on the back left. And so uh-huh. I, I was like, were you like doing ballet on the stairs? What was exactly going on? And he laughed. He, he said it was weird, too. Yeah, he's our frequent flyer when it comes to emergency room visits. <laughs> yeah, he's but we were we were talking about it with the doctor, and mm-hmm. um, and she said that she noted in his uh, file that we haven't seen them for a long time. Yeah, maybe when he was like four. When was yeah, the last time? I think I think it was probably when he was about four. So that's yeah. six years ago. So yeah, tenth birthday, pretty exciting. The big decade. Spent two hours at the ER was was not what you were expecting, but. Uh, yeah, the big decade. Yeah, it it was a good. It was a nice way to have quality time with our middle son. Yeah, <laughs> I had a good time here um, making dinner. Right? Yeah, I got to make dinner. It was awesome. It was really good. It wasn't like dry chicken. I mean, it was like really good. It was well, our son. Um, maybe all three of them, but especially the son has champagne tastes. Yeah. And so we let them choose when we do family birthday celebration, we let them choose the meal and he wanted steak. So of I, uh, seasoned and cooked on the green eggs some steak. Yes. It came out pretty well. It was um, so good. And then you had put together some other stuff for me to make, which included, uh, um, not bacon wrapped asparagus. What Prosciutto. Was it? Prosciutto. Thank you. And that was tasty. Again. Super easy, by the way. Yeah. Don't tell how, anyone. I didn't realize how easy that was. <laughs> you essentially just wrap and bake for Pretty 15, much. 20 minutes. See, that's the thing with any sort of really salty meat. If you just put things inside of it, people think you've worked really hard because yeah. it's such, it's so tasty, but you didn't do that much. Prosciutto is amazing. It's it so, is. So and good. again, our middle son, champagne taste. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't be bacon. It was prosciutto. Exactly. Um, so it's a special night. We're celebrating the birthday. It's a special night. You and I are, don't usually drink when we do this. No, we, but... We got a little basil Hayden's dark rye just for fun. It's delicious. Yeah. We just came across this recently. It's, yeah. It's a it's nice... A, it's a nice porch sipping beverage. Yeah. We're not on the porch, but we are sipping. That's true. And the the back doors are open because it's finally not summer here. Oh, my gosh. The day it dropped I'm, below 90, I was 
rejoicing. Yeah, it hasn't been officially summer for whatever, three weeks, but it has been hot. It has to a point where like it was 90 degrees like a week ago or I don't know, a week and a Mm -hmm. half ago. Week, yeah. I literally didn't know what to do. Literally from Parks and Rec. I literally didn't know what to do with myself. So I went to the store and I bought fall smelling candles and brought them home to pretend that fall was coming. It was almost like it was like my rain dance, you know? And it worked two it days. It did later. two days later. Our house not only smells like fall, but it feels like fall. It's magical. It is. It's magical. It's not quite cool enough for me to wear sweaters, but uh, like with boots. I know moms can relate. Like we're kind of tired of swimsuits and sundresses. We're ready to like put scarves on and cover our flabby arms. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> You have no comment. Did I, don't I just know how make to, you yeah, uncomfortable? follow up with flabby arms? I think your arms are lovely. <laughs> I do Says think the best you, husband. <laughs> I think you look great in sweaters and enjoy them. And I, I think fall and winter clothes are just better. Yeah. Did you know it snowed in Denver this week, by the way? Oh Where my your parents gosh! Live, obviously, um, obvious to us. Um, yeah, I saw. Actually, I found out about it from a colleague who I saw last week in Nashville who said she was going straight to Denver for another conference. And she's like, it's supposed to snow while we're there. And then, um, I talked to her actually the day she got back and she's like, I just missed the snowstorm. And the next day someone on Twitter that I don't really even know, but who's in the real estate world, um, in Denver posted a picture of like the cloudy skies. It was, it looked at that point, it looked like a dusting. I don't know if they ended up getting a lot of snow or not, Yeah, but I did actually comment on Twitter that I missed the snow. I miss the snow. I don't miss shoveling, but I didn't. I didn't actually do a lot of shoveling. I'm not going to lie, but I'm going to pretend I did. You helped me shovel up my car one time when we were dating. Yeah, we did shovel your car hours. out of a blizzard. It was a blizzard, yeah. Um, actually, mostly my dad, I think, did that. No, 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 you and I did it. Really? Yeah, we walked down there. Remember, we helped that old lady do her driveway too. Oh, I do remember that. That yeah. was so. We were fun. it was like fun, newly but... in love, so we just shoveled together and thought it was great. Yeah. And, now, and then, then, we and then to, we never told each other that how sore we were the next day, you know? Yeah, and then we moved to Georgia so we wouldn't have to do it together while we're married. <laughs> exactly, exactly. My mom sent me a text today and said that she was making taco soup because it is uh, so cold there. And I was so envious. I, I sort of felt like maybe she's rubbing it in my face. I doubt it. I doubt it. She probably wishes they got less now. Probably, I think yeah. Your parents, um, I think in general, as people get older, it sort of gets kind of old. I know my dad, yeah. especially, and my mom for that matter, have no desire to be around snow at this point in their lives. Really? I think yeah. that maybe my parents like it. Maybe if they're listening, which they do, so I should be careful, uh, they could tell us if they like snow or not. Yeah. They'll but be our first website visitors. <laughs> the website is up and live. Yeah. What is it? What's the um, address? Growingupwithkidspodcast.com. So could, you can could we have made it any longer? Listen there. <laughs> well, okay. So, but if you like abbreviate or what is it called when you put the first letters when you abbreviate it or put an acronym? That's the word it's I was cool looking look. for. Um, yeah, it looks so dumb, and then G-W-K, you have to like yeah. you have to think really hard about which of the, what first letters are in there. Anyway, mm-hmm. growing up with kids podcast.com, Visit us. There's no bio for David. That's fine. I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> One it's step funny. at a time. All right. So I got a couple of like, uh, small topics I want to cover with you. I barely even briefed you on this. Right. But I want to just pick your brain on a couple of things that I know that you have thought about, at least to some degree. So the first of which was um, something that I observed uh, from a separate room. So I just heard you talking to our boys probably Oh, no. Is last this weekend. nice? Oh. Yeah, it was great. It oh, was good. really interesting. And I've heard you do this before, but it just like struck me this time. One of our kids was whining about something 
And instead of just correcting them or arguing with them or getting mad, which is probably what we want to do most naturally because it just annoys us. Yes. Um, you essentially were like, hey, when you get a job and have a boss <laughs> and are asked to do something, you're not going to be able to whine at them. And you kind of walked them through and almost role played like, pretend you're my boss. And then you whined at them. And the kids, it's sort of... A couple of things that I observed, and then I would love to hear your thoughts on it. So one, it depersonalizes it a little bit because it's not like, I need you to stop whining because I'm your mom and it's driving me nuts. Yeah. It's more like, hey, I'm going to teach you a life skill right now. What you're doing is not appropriate, and here's why, and here's a better way to do it. Right. Um, and yeah, and so and it just kind of contextualizes it for them. And I think it moves it away from just like, I got to do what mom says to like, oh, moms, they might not like it, but it's sort of like they're learning something along the way and learning how that works in the context of the world. Right. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, I am rarely motivated by um, just commands. Like I think as adults, we are all, if we're really honest, like if someone just says, go do this, we all want to know the why and the how and the where. Like, we want to know a little bit more about what we're doing and why, because it feels dignifying. So when the conversation becomes dignifying, like when we can offer each other mutual respect, and what I mean by that is, like, if I were to turn the tables and if my child were to say to me, um, go rake the backyard, like, I wouldn't feel like there's a reason or I wouldn't really understand. Now, granted, I am the authority in our house. I'm the parent. You're the parent. And so we can say that, um, sorry, our dog is so distracting right now. It's like ding- <laughs> its collar is dingling on the bowl. Yeah. Okay, he I'm is, back. He has no respect for the he's, podcast. He's No a, respect. I think he's a little bit socially awkward, by the way. Like he's just always at my feet about him being socially awkward, he's just, but he's a dog. He doesn't get a clue. He's not I mean, social like, at all. I mean, he's, <laughs> well, social. he's social with me. Yeah. They're he social animals, me. but he's not like interact. He has no EQ. No, he has <laughs> no EQ. I wonder if other dogs just naturally get out of the way. See, no. he's, I hope that people can hear the loudness of our dog anyway. So what I was going to say though, is that, um, while I have authority in our relationship because I'm the parent. You're giggling because of that dog. <laughs> he's like, he's, I've never heard him go with this crazy around his bowl. He's just like moving it around the room. It's because we haven't fed him. No, I, I do feed him, but he's in some sort of mood today. So, <laughs> all right. I think he's left the room. I think oh we're good gosh. and back. Okay. Um, so you were talking about not necessarily asking our kids to do things, but instead of just telling them, giving them some context for why the way they're acting is inappropriate and not socially acceptable even. Exactly. And in some ways you can say like, Hey, you probably don't know this, but like you're not going to be able to cry when you don't get your way at work. Like if a printer is not working in the same way that you think that the dishwasher is offending you, like, if a printer is offending you at work, you're not going to be able to cry and scream at it or whine about it or say like that it's, you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't have to do that job. Like I I do want to tell you that at my first job, you got mad at a printer. Oh, (laughs) Oh, so, um, I don't remember the whole story. This is long enough. It was almost 20 years ago now. And I was working really late on something, some sort of project And so I was the only one person there and I went to like print something and somehow the whole thing got lost. 
I don't even remember the technology, but I somehow messed it up and hadn't saved it or didn't back it up correctly. And I just remember being in the break room with this huge, you know, printer, yeah. just swearing <laughs> and yelling. I didn't hit it or anything because I was too scared I would break it. Oh my gosh! But I was That's so where, mad. That is where our kids. But get you it. can't do that in front of your boss. My boss no. was not there. No, but you can't. I. Uh, so anyway. So letting don't them tell know. Our kids that story. Yeah, like letting them know, like. Giving them fair warning, like, hey, the social norms are X, Y, or Z. And I'm really glad you're learning that while you live under my roof. So, and, and it's important to not say it in a shaming way because my tendency is to be like, oh, you want to see how this would look at work? You know, like to be really mocking because it feels that ridiculous to me sometimes. But, um, but if we can, if we can pull back for just a second and like, and teach them the why about why we're teaching them not to whine and like the root of the fact that like if you're whining at me, you're not trusting me for something. Right. But you can't do that with a boss. Like you need to use your words, you know? Yeah. And there's a, um, a heart issue that we're working on. Like when you're whining, it's because you're being selfish or you're not being patient or any number of different things that might be going yes. on in the moment. But there's also a practical piece that you touch on a lot, which I appreciate, which is if you want something, whining is not the effective way to get it, mm-hmm. right? Asking kindly for, for us is sort of a positive trigger. Like we love that. Right. <laughs> We're suckers for politeness. Um, and so helping them see, oh, there are actually more effective ways to get what you want. Right. We're not just telling you to stop wanting things. Right. Um, and certainly when you get out in the real world, whether it's with friends or you know, people you date at some point or people you work for or whatever, teachers, like being able to talk to them in a way that um, builds respect, that shows kindness, you know, is going to be beneficial and mutually beneficial for you and the people you're having a relationship with. Absolutely. When I think of um, like practical ways to make this happen in the moment, I think One thing is um, that has worked for our family has been to take like three minutes, two or three minutes, and to like let them hear a very calm and um, level-headed example of what they might sound like, give them like a couple examples. And so um, if a child will whine at me, sometimes I'll say, okay, I'm going to give you two samples. I'm going to let you hear how that sounds outside of your head, and you're going to tell me what you think sounds better. Like, what do you think makes you respond better? And so then I'll literally be like, I don't want to empty the dishwasher. I don't want to empty the dishwasher. Or listen to this. Hey, I don't really want to empty the dishwasher now. Do you think I could do it later? Like, I like the first one. (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) Um, And so when you give that example, it is so acute. Like you really do hear such a strong difference that they have to say the second one, which leads you, like it sets you up to say, yes, you see Mm -hmm. how that makes you feel. So let's work on that together so that they start understanding, oh, my words are not without consequence. Like they cause someone else to feel something, but it's really important to make sure that that example is not something you do out of anger or mockery or shaming, like, but to really be level-headed and give them that, that, that true feeling and then follow it up and rejoice and say, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I wonder what it would look like if we could do that next time. Let's practice. And if you, if you get slipped up again, 
let me just tell you again. And you can feel that same feeling. So then they learn that feeling and then they can start self-regulating. It takes a lot less work. Yeah. And I think the not acting or speaking out of anger is so critical. And the way to do that one way is to realize it is normal for them to whine. It's not good or right, right, but they are children and they are learning skills. And so they don't have skills. Just like when you have a baby and they cry to get food, it's because it's the only way they know how to operate. Right. right? They're not somehow like vengeful towards you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Although it feels like it, it does right? Feel- at 2 oh, a.m. Mom's asleep. I'm going to go ahead and cry. <laughs> or if they're like waking up in the middle of the night at age six, you're like, oh, they do hate me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but recognizing this is a normal part of progression in maturity. So I don't need to be angry about this, even though it is annoying. Mm-hmm. And it's an opportunity to educate them and teach them and train them up through the, the role play, like you said, and practicing it. And then over time, they get better because they realize it works better. It's more effective. And I think the the other half of that is don't get angry, but also don't give in, right? So when they whine, we don't have to be angry or guilt them or shame them. We definitely want to try to avoid those things at all costs. But then the flip side is don't give them what they want or don't give in to whining. You know, make them go through the hoops. Even if you're willing and want to give them what they want, make them do it in an appropriate tone, in an appropriate way. Right. Um, And I think that has been really helpful when our kids see oh, okay, if I actually say please, if I ask to delay something for a good reason, my parents are reasonable Mm -hmm. um, and they will work with me. And sometimes they'll say something rude and we'll ask them to say it nicely and then we'll still say no because the answer is just no. But (laughs) making them go through that practice. You're cruel. You're so cruel. No, I don't (laughs) promise that if they say it nicely, but it's like, no, you're not going to ask me that way. And then they ask kind of nicely, hey, that was a better way to ask. But the answer is still no and here's why. Or the answer is still no and, you know, you can do that some other time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think that fosters mutual respect. I was talking with a friend today about like, the point of parenting um, is not like obedience or behavior management or like getting a kid to be something or another. It is um, to get them to be everything that they're supposed to be and trust you at the end of the day when they fail. Like, so when they're 17, they can come to you and say, I don't know how to do this, like, or I screwed up. So building that trust. And I think part of building that trust is treating them with respect so that they learn that, like they learn what it feels like um, in these little snippets. Yeah, that's great. All right, can I transition to another small topic? Yes. All right, thanks so much. It's a, it's a double whammy today. A double whammy. So I listened to a podcast today. It's the uh, Wall Street Journal text news, news briefing. Oh, man. Which I listen to every once in a while. It's really short, um, okay. and they do like something interesting. I say, oh, man, because I don't keep up with anything in the world. Yeah, no, this isn't a quiz or stat of the week yet. But um, the topic today, or the one I listened to today, was on sleepovers and devices. Oh. And it just struck me because um, I feel like we're moving into the world of devices. We live in the world where our kids do some sleepovers. And they're... Um, the story that they were talking about was this reporter had talked to a bunch of parents about concerns actually around kids having access to devices or things, A, without parental, uh, any sort of parental overview because parents go to bed and sleepovers last till two in the morning. Yeah. And what are they doing at midnight? And potentially being in a home where there are um, you know fewer controls or fewer rules around those things than you might have in your own home. Right. Um, and they talked a little bit about how you might 
talk to uh, parents about that and not, not necessarily saying, hey, you need to follow my rules, but just saying, hey, what are your rules and what do, do your kids have access to? Just oh so my I'm, gosh. Just so I'm aware before my kid goes over to the sleepover. Yeah. Uh, but we ran into a situation recently where we had a child um, doing a sleepover and they just they both kind of ended up on their devices, which was a new problem we never really run into before. Yes. Usually it was, hey, they stay up too late and are really, <laughs> we really want to go to bed and we can't. Or they, or the kids are on like one device or they're like watching a movie right. together. Yeah, they watch a bunch of TV. And so it's almost like a community effort. Yeah, but they were know? on separate devices. So I just thought it's such an interesting world we're walking into. I don't really have anything. I don't even have a question for you or yeah. necessarily an answer, but I'm just interested in your thoughts. I think it's really interesting. Like it's, well, first of all, the first thing about like talking to the other parents about like what the expectations mm-hmm. around their screen time is, et cetera, yeah. like terrifies me. Like because you feel like you'll offend them or it'll just be awkward conflict. Yeah, like mm. I don't want to be that parent who's like, here's my child and they're an angel and they don't know how to use these devices or right. like like or or the other end, which is like, oh, my child really likes to have these devices as more of a comfort or like it's kind of an occupier of time for them. You know, right. like I just don't want to be that mom because that's the kind of mom that shows up on Saturday Night Live, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, everything in me, my deepest desire, the truest feeling I have is I do want to know what they are doing with devices so that I just have a sense, not necessarily to um, like like change how they do it, but to coach our kids as they go into that sleepover about what they might expect or, what or we're let expecting them know of them. what we're expecting of them. Um, Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. If it was flipped around and someone just asked you, hey, you're having the sleepover, my son's coming over, what is your plan and what, you know, what devices will they have access to, would you be offended? Um, probably. I'm easily offended. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that I would, um, I think I would be put off at first, if I'm really honest. I'd, I would sort of think, oh, well, oh my gosh, is my kid like on the device all the time? Are they assuming that we let our kids have too much freedom or do they think I'm a bad parent um, because of something my son has done here or there? Um, my second response is that's probably a healthy sense of accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, just in the back of my mind, it would definitely, I think it definitely depends on the relationship you have with the other parent. Um, I think if it were a mom who I don't love so much or who I disagree with their parenting style, yeah. I mean, we all like, that's the thing with parenting is like, we all have these different styles because we have this history that comes along with it. And so, um, when those clash up against each other, be it topics about nursing, going back to work or not going back to work, um, all the way to how many screens you allow in your home, Mm -hmm. like there's always a sense of competition. Um, and so, but, but those senses of competition can be alleviated when there's relationship. Um, and when you feel like there's a mutual understanding, like we're both working toward the same thing. So, so if I were in a good place and a mom asked me that who I had a semi-decent relationship with, I think I would feel a healthy sense of accountability. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure, but interesting. What do you think? Well, I don't like conflict or any, (laughs) any awkwardness. So the idea of asking that of another parent, 
seems like terrible. Yeah. <laughs> terrible death. Yeah. But I... I lean that way. If if a father or mother, for that matter, asks me, like, hey, what's your plan? And, you know, or what if they were like, hey, um, should my son bring his phone or not? Right. I, would, I wouldn't be offended and I wouldn't feel that sense of competition, but I understand what you're saying. And I know that that is something that is really powerful and potent. And I think more... Uh, powerful and gripping for moms generally. Yeah. Uh, but it was interesting as you were describing it, it really is rooted in your insecurity. And I don't mean that to dismiss it, but it's like, you, or just if to someone bring brought up it up to you, you <laughs> would feel like, Oh, do they think I'm a bad mom? Yes. And I have a ton of insecurities that make me respond in different ways, but that's not one of them, like devices. Because you're kids not a mom. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not a no. great dad, apparently. <laughs> no, you are a great dad. No, I I um, think that makes sense. Okay. So, But there are other areas where I would react just as strongly or more strongly, um, maybe around work and other sort of things that I worry about performing at. Sure. Um, so I get it. Uh, it's just kind of interesting. I maybe need to think about it a little bit more. But anyway, I, I do think it's difficult because there's, you know, there's this huge spectrum that parents all fall on. And I don't think there's a right answer necessarily. I, I do think there is some healthy boundaries around devices and screens that people should have. But, you know, what might be healthy for one kid might be slightly different for, for another kid and family. And so, you know, when we were kids and we did sleepovers or even when our kids were in younger and they did sleepovers, the biggest challenge was just thinking about how much candy are they going to eat? <laughs> how little sleep are they going to get? And yeah. how many movies are they going to watch? Cause they do end up like watching like three different movies or whatever. Yeah. So, which to me, to your point is a more communal waste of time. <laughs> so it's kind of fun yeah. than them ending up on different devices or, you know, starting to like just search the internet yeah. on YouTube and who knows what they find, like conspiracy theories or adult content or whatever stuff that I, I don't want them obviously to stumble across. What? So yeah. sorry. Well, really quickly, I have a thought on that. Like, I think one yeah. thing that comes to mind is um, the reason this feels uncomfortable to me is because it it imposes a sense of control on someone else's family and someone else's kids when the reality is that I'm actually the parent of our child going into that home. Right. And so my job is not to control their environment. My job is to invest and train them to handle situations that are coming their way. Right. So if I were asking another parent about the parameters, like I said earlier, um, I think if I were asking in order to coach my child and in order to train them what to do, um, I think I think that would make me feel better than like trying to figure out or like control my child's environment. I think there's a I think that's a really huge imbalance right now in our culture where parents think that their their child's environment is totally controllable, mm -hmm. but then kids don't actually know how to function outside of those controls. Right. So we're not building self-regulated kids. We're building kids who are regulated and then they go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Externally regulated. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I do think you have that conversation with a parent like you might have on other things and you might decide it's not a good fit. Like if, right. if you think they're going to let them do stuff that you don't want your kid doing and it's, they're not at a point that you could regulate it. Like if, 
someone was like, Hey, we're having a sleepover with your eight year olds and we're going to give them cigars and, you know, whiskey. I'd be like, our kid's not going. Like, <laughs> I know he won't do it, but he's still not going, right? So it could be the same thing where for a certain parent or family, they're like, oh, you're going to let him watch three movies. We're just not down with that. Right. Like, we would be okay with that, but that, you know, our way isn't the only way or the right way. And I think it's okay. You have to own that with your kid and say, hey, this isn't a good situation for you. You can be friends with that kid, and, yeah. but you're just not going to that sleepover. Right. Um, but to your point there's a certain amount of latitude of saying, okay, we do feel like it's okay for you to go to this house, but we do know that there might are risks. And so we're going to help educate you around like what are your, what you should do. Like if everyone ends up on their devices, like we don't think that's a viable option for you after a certain hour, you like, you got to go to bed or bring a book and read it. Right. And that's hard. And there's a ton of peer pressure there. And I don't know if it ends up working, (laughs) Well, and but But I I think think it's better than just succumbing. Right. And I think that one thing we saw early, which was hard, I think, for um, our kids, is that we didn't allow our kids any screen time Monday through Friday for a long time. Um, And we still are relatively apprehensive to allow it. Um, But the stakes are low. Like, like them, like teaching them how to handle that peer pressure just with screen time is really, those are benign stakes, right? Like compared to compared like drinking to in high school, drinking in high school, mm-hmm. like cocaine, whatever. Wow. Yeah. I Sp- took a jump. Our, ki- our kids have <laughs> champagne taste of drugs too. <laughs> Just straight to even, cocaine. Okay. So that's, what's funny is I don't even know the drugs. Let's be honest. But anyway, so, but, but the stakes are so low when they're seven, eight, nine years old. And when you set those parameters and then you hold to them mm-hmm. and show them that you're trustworthy and that they can be trusted as well. It gives them a feeling of accomplishment to walk away from someone's house that they went to who was on screen time. And then later they can, they can draw from those experiences. Um, so I think, it's, I think it's good to train up your kid to be able to walk away and then handle it with them when they do. Yep. And to handle it with them when they don't. I mean... Yeah, and have yeah. room to have grace and to educate them through that and... Yeah. Love them well either way. Yeah, exactly. All right. Mostly. I'm just kidding. I love them well the whole time. Well, I mean, we're we're fallible. We do not love them well all the time. We get angry. No, I do love them all the time. Yes, but we don't always love them well, I guess. Right, right. All right. Well, on that note, let's move to Stat of the Week. Sweet. Sounds good. Sweet. Rachel, we started talking about um, how our kids can't whine when they have bosses. Yes. So I have a couple economic questions for you. Awesome. I'm not an economist, but I pretend to be one at work sometimes. I am not an economist, and I never will pretend to be one. Okay, so I'm going to ask you three (laughs) things. Yeah. There are three different numbers. I'm going to ask all three of them before you start answering. Okay. Do you know what the unemployment rate is right now as of the end of September? Oh, my gosh. Do you know how long in months... The current economic expansion is, and do you know how many straight months in a row we have had positive job growth here in the United States? Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is October 10th, 2019. Just to give some context to people who might be listening in 2025. Yeah, who want to tweet, correct us. <laughs> um, okay. So what was the first question? Say it again. Unemployment rate. I'm guessing, f- is Lower. it- Three point six percent. Three point five percent. Really? Right. Yeah. 
Whoa. Which, which is real tight. It is not the tightest we've ever had. Apparently, like post-war, World War II, and even uh, there's like two other times in the last 100, 150 years where we were below 3.5%. Really? Something like that. That's pretty amazing. That's what amazing. a colleague of mine told me. That's I take her word out. Pretty amazing. <laughs> All right. So how many months has this current expansion been going? Can you explain current expansion? Oh, yeah. So, like, <laughs> you know what a recession is. Yeah. So the time between recessions, essentially. So the last recession was in 2008, 2009. And we've, the, the, the economy has been growing ever since. Yeah. Um, not completely in a straight line, but pretty, we've, we have not hit another recession. Right. And so how many months is that? I just gave you a little bit of a hint. So you should be able to get close. Uh, how many months is that? Oh, I don't know. 1,000. <laughs> do you have any, do you know how long <laughs> 1,000 months is? <laughs> okay. Hold on. Wow. It's like 10 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How many months are in a year? 12. <laughs> so 120 <laughs> months, right? Yeah. Just okay. I just time. added one zero cause I was, I can't do math on this. <laughs> Oh, that is, we have to rewind that. That's I terrible. I think you added two zeros, right? No, I did not say 12,000. Oh, okay. What'd you say? 1,200? I said 1,200. Oh, okay. So I anyway, just added one zero. It's, it's 123 or 124. I forget which month we are in right now. Wow. Yeah. And that's the longest. The next longest, do you know what decade it was in? No. I'll give you a hint. You were alive. I was alive as really? well. Really? Yeah. The 80s? 90s. The 90s. Yep. The 90s expansion um, was the second longest. It hit 120 months, so exactly 10 years. Wow. Before the dot-com bust in 2001. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. All right. And the last one was, how many months in a row have we had positive job growth every single month consecutively? It's shorter than the expansion. So we weren't at We haven't added. Anyway, you get the point. It's less, than, it's less than 123. Um, how many months? Yeah. Um, maybe I'll just give it to you in years and you'll do the month conversion. 1,200. <laughs> um, okay. So how many, let's see. I want to say that it probably started upticking around Obama. Um, Could that be right? No, because he was elected in 08. Oh, okay. I don't know. Just give me the answer. Less than 123. It's 107 or 108. I, again, I forget if it's if September was 107 or if it was 108, but yeah, uh-huh. pretty close to that. Yeah. So almost 10 straight years. So what do you think is coming in our way? Like, do you think that uh, I'm a- not going to provide any forecasts? Oh but, come on! No, I'm not going to do that. I don't know any, oh, anything to do. Come on! But I was going to ask guess. you. I what just think- said 1,200 months equals 10 years. Yeah. Well, let's gonna, do some stupid things. I think things. in October we're going to continue to have positive job growth, and we will not be in a recession. Yeah, because we're already like halfway through October, or November, or December. Okay. Um, so 2020. 107 months straight of job growth. What was the second longest in American history of just straight job growth? Oh, no clue. It's less than half. We've never been past 50 straight months. Are you serious? Yep, 45 in the in two, that, leading up to 2009. In the 1980s, we had 48 straight months. Uh, and in the late 1970s, we had 45 straight months. So what? So we like doubled the, the amount of just like straight job months, consecutive months where we had positive job growth. So that's a good thing. That is a good thing. What caused that? I mean, like, do you uh, have any... Don't ask me hard questions. Okay, so I told you I'm not an economist. I'll, there get, I'll get us an, an economist if you really want to talk about that. Well, I was just going <laughs> to ask if there is an economist out there who wants to tweet or something. 
I don't know. I'm curious what the cause is. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so this expansion has been longer and slower than most previous expansions. So meaning it has been long, but we have not seen the same level of wage growth or even job growth per month uh-huh. as we saw in the 1990s as an example. Um, so it's been just a, a slower, more steady uh, economic expansion. I do not know all the causes of that and why that is the case, but it is the case. In general, I've been told that expansions are getting longer on average, um, partially because of better fiscal policy. So, oh, so that the makes Fed kind of knows how to avoid um, recessions Downturns a little bit better and, than they, they mm-hmm. used to, just through experience and Anyway, good stuff. That was a weird ending to our show. We got real deep in the, uh, the economic <laughs> numbers. Won't won't do that every week. That was all kinds of like putting a bunch of stuff together. That's fun. Uh, hey, I had fun. I did too. It's Thanks fun. for working on the farm, Rach. Thank you for working on the farm. All right, talk to you soon.